Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I'm your host, Don. Thanks for listening. Today, I'll be discussing devastating turnovers dooming Rutgers in a 27-10 home loss to Iowa on Saturday. So let's go ahead and get started. Sorry if my voice is a little gone for this podcast. I was at the Rutgers game on Saturday, screaming pretty loudly, and I think my voice is mostly recovered, but probably not all the way, as I'm recording this on Sunday morning. Rutgers lost to Iowa 27-10 to Saturday, and a game they probably could have won, and maybe should have won. Uh, the stadium was mostly full. It was an exciting crowd, but it was not completely full. I'm not sure what they announced or showed, but it was pretty, pretty full. The most full I've seen in a Rutgers game in quite some time, but there were still some empty seats. Uh, the atmosphere outside was awesome. Pre-game, uh, about the best I've seen in many, many years. Um, as you may or may not know, Rutgers has introduced this new Rutgers boardwalk, <clears throat> which is this area on the road leading into the stadium where they try to make it out to look like a boardwalk and and starting to honestly i think if they painted the street with boardwalk colors you probably you know would really feel like you're there everything on each side looks like a boardwalk they have lots of food stands and game stands where you can you know shoot the water into the little thing and have games where you try to make everything rise and win prizes there's these cool slides you can take pictures with knights they had the entire Rutgers basketball team there where you could get autographs from them and take pictures with them. Uh, They introduced a new Ferris wheel. It was a Rutgers Ferris wheel, which was very cool. Very, very cool. And um, the atmosphere was really exciting. Um, They had the boardwalk, you know, at the last home game with Wagner. They enhanced it this time with the Ferris wheel and some upgraded uh, food, oh, so many different kinds of food. Really, really good stuff. It was fun. Um, there was quite a buzz there before the game. Um, really uh, quite an atmosphere. And then, of course, <clears throat> you know, the game came. And once again, Rutgers fans ended up being disappointed, which is unfortunate because they really created a excellent, excellent pregame atmosphere, and it was, it was really fun. Uh, this was a beatable Iowa team. I was very good, right? I mean, they're a consistent top 20 team and maybe top 10 over the last couple of years. Um, but this year they were beatable. And, you know, we had them at home at night in front of an excited audience and national TV, and we couldn't get it done. Um, we did have our QB3, you know, our third string quarterback and Evan Simon starting, um, and that greatly contributed to it. But <clears throat> Here's some major takeaways that I had being at the game. Number one, the defense Rutgers played pretty damn well. We ended up losing 27-10, but the defense only gave up 13 points. The offense gave up 14 points. So our offense gave up more points than our defense did. You don't often say that. Two turnovers while Rutgers was on offense directly led to 14 points. One was a pick six. One was a fumble, scoop, and score. 14 points that Rutgers gave up while Rutgers was on offense. That's how devastating that was. And Iowa doesn't score much, so giving them 14 points when your offense is on the field is just unforgivable. Um, Despite, you know, a, a few drives where Iowa got some things done against the Rutgers defense, the Rutgers D was strong. 
most of the game. They had a couple big third down stops. They got some pressure when needed. We had that tight end on Iowa was really good and hurt us a, a few times. But overall, start to finish, the defense played definitely well enough to win. So you cannot hang this on the defense. Take number two. The Rutgers offensive line protected Simon much, much better this game compared to that Temple game, which was a friggin' disaster. The offensive line was notably, notably better. And, and I'm telling you, being there, I can see. He, Simon had time. He had lanes. <clears throat> he had protection. He, you know, I, when I came home and watched some of the replay, I kept hearing how, you know, he, he Simon was taking hits late in the game. You know, maybe at the end of the game when, you know, he had to throw, he was taking some hits, but he had time. He was not getting sacked time after time after time, consistently with no lane to throw in, things like that. The O-line protected very well. I'm not sure what kind of narrative is going to be written about how much time the quarterback had or didn't have. But being there, I'm telling you, he had time and he had lanes to throw in. So kudos to the offensive line. I thought the D played well and the offensive line played much, much better. Take number three. Evan Simon's decisions killed us all night, all night. And, and you know, I'm not going to blame the kid. He's our third-string quarterback, and he threw some good passes on certain times. But his decision-making in various ways consistently hurt us. He had two awful, terrible interceptions. One was the pick six I spoke of where he threw into double coverage and that was the end of that, and it was pick six, and it killed all kinds of momentum we had. We were up 3 nothing, and suddenly we're down 7-3. I mean, it was that was an absolute, absolute killer. He threw another really, really bad interception later in the game. I don't know where he was throwing it or why. It was just a terrible, terrible decision. But beyond the obvious two really bad picks, he had time. Just about all night, as I spoke with about previously a minute ago, he had time. The offensive line protected really well against a good Iowa defense. They did. I don't know what changes were made, personnel, schemes, but he had time. He had lanes to throw in. And being at the game, and I have kind of a high vantage point, I'm at the bottom of the upper deck. I have really good seats near midfield. It's upper deck, so I can see the field really well. He consistently made bad decisions. He picked the wrong receivers to throw to. Sometimes he chose to throw the ball when he easily could have run. He had plenty of lanes to just take off and run. Oftentimes, he picked the wrong receiver to throw to. Oftentimes, he just didn't throw it when there were open receivers. And obviously, the interception throws. He made bad decisions. Not all the time. He made a couple good throws and ended up with 300 yards passing, believe it or not. But as someone that was there and had a good perspective of the game, I'm telling you. His decisions killed us. It was very, very hurtful. This was a game where I think if we had a different quarterback, there's a really good chance we could have won this game. It was unfortunate. You know, There's no saying whether or not a different quarterback would have made even worse decisions or the same ones, but I know what Simon did, and I know it hurt us. I know it was kind of a disaster. He had some ill-timed decisions, too, where he could have thrown, didn't, threw later, and then it was wide, high, intercepted, whatever. He missed some throws. Uh, 
there were some bad throws where he overthrew them. It was out of bounds. It was late. And again, I don't want to hear it was because he had all kinds of pressure on him. It was not the case this time. This is a good Iowa defense with a good defensive line that was handled by our offensive line. As shocking as that may be. So Simon may not be our guy. Number four point. Gleason, and, and I need to articulate this the right way. There's two really bad things, one of them lesser so, where I think Gleason was too conservative with a lot of play calling, and we really needed to open the playbook a little, and I'm not sure we actually did that. We didn't really run many. We tried one reverse, you know, I don't know, and really no other actual plays other than, you know, line up and throw the ball, line up and run the ball. Very conservative, several series where it was run on first down, run on second down, where, you know, you just can't do that, you know, anymore in college football. I mean, unless you're Wisconsin or Iowa State, you can't just run on first, run on second, and hope to continue to get first downs. Rutgers is not good enough to do that against good teams, right? We're playing Wagner, it doesn't matter what we do, right? When you're playing Big Ten teams, you have to be more creative than that, and consistently, Gleason was not. Now, we did throw quite a lot, but half of that was out of need, and half of that was not really mixing it up. I mean, I don't think we ran a single screenplay. As a matter of fact, I don't know if we run one this year. Um, there's no screenplays, right? There's very few draw plays. There's very few reverses or trick plays. Gleason used to be this sort of brilliant mind, I thought, the first year he came on. Now it's like, I don't know what happened to him. And, you know, you... You could see, you know, Shiano kind of getting mad at him sometimes. And it's just, it's hard to think about what Gleason is thinking about with his play calling at times. And it needs to change. They need to do some different things. Their formation is always the same, right? There's never, you know, you bunch four receivers on one side, you know, different kind of weird setups. There's no creativity which used to be present in previous games for Gleason, and it's annoying. That's actually the minor point for me, comparatively to what I think directly and imminently affected Rutgers this game, and that is Gleason, who I'm going to say is responsible for this, killed Rutgers' momentum three times in the game, and that I think may have actually lost us the game, believe it or not, as much as those turnover pick six and scoop and scores did three times. We've killed our own momentum because Gleason could not get the fucking play called and into the team on time for us to actually line up and get it off. The first drive of the game, we actually looked crisp. We looked good. There was nothing bad to say. We were running the ball, making good, accurate passes. We came out of the gate. We took the opening kickoff. Zip, zip, zip. We were driving down the field looking really good. And then for some unknown reason, after another good play where we gained like eight yards, he couldn't get to play him. They're looking at the sideline. They're looking at the sideline. You know, they were playing with some alacrity in the beginning. They were zip, moving along. And then just out of nowhere, this is the first time, we could not get the play call in. Ended up calling timeout. And after that, we were all the way down at the other side of the field. We couldn't move the ball from there. Right. It just it stopped and it killed any momentum. So that's the first time he did it. The second time he did it was a few plays later. We drove a little bit farther. Right. We were deep in their zone, maybe inside the 10. 
we couldn't make it on third down and he was third in, I don't know, five, four. And we called out the um, field goal team. And on the field goal attempt, there was a all sides on the defense. And so it was moved a little closer. And so Shanna, when what I thought was a good move, decided to try to go for a TD. Great. We go out there. What happens? Again, we can't get the fucking play call into the team. They're sitting there looking at the sideline, tick, 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 tick. Looking at the sideline, tick, tick, tick. Finally, they get the fucking play call. They're running up to the line because the, the play clock is running out. They quickly try to snap it with one second, but a lineman jumped, and, and they had to move back again. So just like that, they ruin momentum. They were going to go for it on fourth. Now, we don't know. What would have happened on that fourth down? But maybe they score a touchdown, and I'm telling you, that place is jumping, and, and it's a different game. But again, he can't get the fucking play call in twice in about three minutes on the sideline. This time when we're go, trying to go for it on fourth down, and he ended up rushing to the line. A lineman had to jump, and as a result of his inability to get a play call into the offense on time, we ended up going for a field goal and making a short field goal because, you know, we had to move back five yards because we couldn't get to the fucking line on time. It is about as annoying as shit. I'm standing there shouting at the thing, get the call and get the call in twice in a minute there. And it just, it's so incredibly frustrating when you have a good momentum, they're moving the ball down the field on Iowa. We're crisp, you know, we're quick. We're looking good. We're making great plays. And then you're sitting there and you call timeout. And then you're sitting there and you can't go for it on fourth down because you can't get a plan. And he did this a third time, which I'm not going to detail. But there were three specific times where we were moving the ball and Gleason couldn't get the goddamn play call in on time. And it was infuriating as shit. And and it's just it's unforgivable. It's, it's a mistake that cannot happen. It can't happen. So that's number four. Number five, Krushank which will not be written about, not be talked about, because there were no blatant results that happened. Krushank's returns. Awful, awful punt return, kickoff return decisions. He had about four bad decisions on the same night, and I don't understand what he was thinking. I don't understand. The first time, he fair caught the ball at the four-yard line, which is just the most insane thing I can think of on a punt. You cannot fair catch the ball inside the 10-yard line. What you want to do is let the ball bounce, and hopefully it goes in the end zone. The only reason you fair catch something is so that, you know, the ball can't get deeper and then pin you deep. Well, if you catch the ball at the four, they're pinning you really deep in your own zone. The worst that could possibly happen is it goes another three yards, and you get the ball at the one instead of the four. Big fucking deal. But there's a really good chance if you let it bounce, it goes in the end zone, you get the ball at the 20. Stupid-ass decision. I don't understand what he was thinking. And it pinned us deep, and we couldn't do anything. We had the punt. Then he, on the ensuing punt, I don't know, a little bit later, he the, the punt was coming down about the 11-yard line, and instead of catching it, he lets it go. So he fair catches at the 4, but lets it bounce, moves out of the way at the 11, and the ball bounces all the way down to the 6. Again, ridiculous. Outside the 10, you catch it. Inside the 10, you let it go and hope it bounces in the end zone. He did the opposite on both plays. Awful. Another time, on a kickoff, it was at the 1 or the 2. It wasn't like deep in the end zone where he'd be in trouble. 
he he fair catches a kickoff at the one, which is I hate that rule, by the way, that you can fair catch a kickoff. But he did at at the one yard line, and he had plenty of time and room, and you could see him shaking his head after he did it. I I, I don't know, I think he was drunk or something. I don't, I don't know what was going through his mind on these returns, but he actively actively hurt us on this. We needed a game where Krushank busted out and and made big plays. I know he caught a touchdown pass, but I don't care. It was late in the game. The game was over already. We needed a game where he had a kickoff return, a big one. You know, put us in great position or, you know, ran one back for a touchdown. And he just screwed us over. He made some awful decisions that pinned us deep multiple times when we didn't have to be pinned deep. And it certainly didn't help this offense who made enough problems on their own. Um, It was really a bad, 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 you know, series of decisions on Krushank's, you know, but that didn't have to happen. So those are my points from the game. The defense played pretty well. The offensive line protected Simon much better this game, much better. (coughs) Simon's decision killed us all night. Gleason's conservatism and his late, late entries of play calls into the team that killed momentum really hurt the team. And Krushank's awful return decisions really, really hurt all night. This was a winnable game. A game we could have won. I don't know if we could say should have won, but certainly I think with a competent quarterback and a normal play caller that didn't kill momentum, we could have done some things. And it was a shame because the pregame atmosphere was just awesome. It was really, really good. And it was fun. And again, the team didn't come through for us. We now have, by the way, 20 straight losses at home within the Big Ten. Obviously, this goes back way before Shiana, but this is tough to take at this point, right? 20 straight home losses. That That is tough. Um, it's time for Rutgers to step up and, and get a big win here. Uh, we don't know if it's going to happen this year, but this was a tough one, and um, we've got to hope Rutgers turns it around here. I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. I want you to please subscribe to the podcast if you can, and tell your friends all about it, will you? I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks, and have a good day.